Hi, everybody. This is John Montoya. And this is John Parings. We're authorized infinite banking practitioners and hosts of the fifth edition. Episode 29, how to get started with IBC in your 40s, part two. What John and John are currently doing since we're in our 40s right now. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in the previous three episodes talking about getting started in your 20s, 30s, 40s. And we thought it would be good to share with all the listeners out there what we're now doing here in our 40s with IBC, because it's one thing to talk about it, but you want to be able to walk the walk. We feel it's very important to to share with all of you how we're now utilizing IBC in our own life. So let's get started. Yours is probably more exciting than mine. Since I started a little bit later, what I'm focusing on is the capital accumulation side of our overall strategies that we that we typically recommend. So money has to reside somewhere and investments can't happen without capital. Everything that I'm doing right now is formation of capital. What I will say though, is when I did start this uh, process in my 30s, I was still a W-2 employee, you know, working in the tech industry. Again, my background is in Silicon Valley tech and startups and then construction and finance and data centers. As I was still that W-2 employee, I, I made the switch over to the infinite banking concept and started really focusing on capital accumulation. I would not have been able to make the switch into this business, which is, you know, really a sink or swim, it's a non-salary type of business where everything is relying on, you know, my ability to generate business. And I would not have been able to make the switch into this career if I had not first uh, formed that capital base. And so when we talk about an emergency opportunity fund, you know, where we save up that emergency fund, you know, whether that's three months, six months, a year, and then anything over and above that becomes our opportunity fund, Well, my opportunity was the ability to get into this business and really actually do infinite banking for a living and help other people implement it in their lives. And so the opportunity was starting this business. And so that capital that I had accumulated is really what has allowed me to start this business. It's interesting. I actually, I got asked this question for the first time, maybe a month ago, and I was able to kind of relay this to the, to that prospect at the time. I think it, it resonated with him in terms of, you know, what he wants to do with his next step. He's actually a, you know, Silicon Valley executive that's looking to move and start, start something new and start something that's more aligned with his passions. Hearing what I've been able to do with, with infinite banking, I think he, he really liked that as opposed to all the stock investments or anything like that. You know, I'm not doing any of that. Everything that I do goes into, into capital formation using whole life insurance. You know, once the phase of my business, the startup phase is done, then it'll start getting deployed into other income generating assets where I can create multiple streams of income. So what was the question that he asked you? So we were talking about the infinite banking strategies. He's like, well, what do you do with your money? He just asked me straight up what I do with my money. And I said, everything that I do with my money currently is going to all of my life insurance policies where I can create more capital, create more stability for myself, create opportunities to help grow this business. And that's really what I'm focused on right now for myself. Makes me think of Richest Man in Babylon, which was one of the books that we recommended. What's the rule there? You want to pay yourself first. And so that's exactly what you're doing. It's very similar for me as well. Now, I've been doing this and contributing to all my whole life policies for a lot longer than you, but that idea 
is a fundamental truth. You always want to pay yourself first. And I continue to do that. I get that money into whatever policy I have open and available where I haven't funded, I haven't max funded the PUA rider yet. Basically what I'm doing with my money, I first get it into all the whole life policies that I have through the paid up additions writer. The way that I've set up all my whole life policies, first and foremost, I have it set up in annual mode when the statement comes. I mean, I know all these policies, uh, their anniversary dates, like it's a, another birthday for me. So I know I got one February 1st. I know I got one March 1st. I know I got one June 1st, so on and so forth. Well, I make sure that without even thinking about it, those policies, the the minimum that's due on an annual basis, they automatically just get paid from my checking account. That money goes from the checking account to those whole life insurance policies. And then from there, uh, it's kind of a game on my end where my rule of thumb is I want to max out every dollar that I possibly can of that PUA writer. And so I'm paying myself first. That money comes in. I've satisfied all the minimums that happens automatically. Well, where does that extra cash go? It goes into the paid up additions writer. So no different than you in, in paying myself first and making sure that I'm maxing out the policies, but keeping it real, there are moments where I look at that money and I'm like, oh man, I just want to go invest that right away. And I have to stop myself and say, hey, you know what? I've got to follow my own playbook. I've got to max out my policies because once that money gets into the whole life policies, I can then take a loan and invest. And that's such a smarter and more efficient way to go because the beauty of IBC is we have the ability to grow this money compounding without ever interrupting it, meaning we get the ability to multiply our assets. That's something that we've talked about in the show. If you're to take that cash flow that you have come in and just go out and invest it right away, it's an either or proposition. If you first get that money into the whole life policies, overfund that PUA writer, there's nothing preventing you from taking out a loan and now going to invest. That's really where I'm at with my whole life policies. I've built up this capital reserve. I have the opportunity to be very picky in the investments I choose to make. I'm free to choose whatever investments come my way. I'm not stuck with a 401k where I'm limited to 10 or 15 different types of mutual funds that someone else basically has given me the option to invest in. With all my whole life policies, I have the freedom with this cash value to choose the investments. Before I, I get into where I'm parking that money on the investment side, I, I do want to reiterate uh, the five rules that I shared in the previous episode, uh, kind of my, my five rules to live by. Spend less than you make, get out of debt, become your own banker, create multiple streams of income, and stay patient and disciplined. Now, all that said, I've been able to build up this capital reserve that's continuing to grow each and every year. And I'll add that I love the fact that IBC requires no luck, skill, or guesswork. This is just money that's continuing to grow and compound every single year. Now, what I do with this capital, here are some ideas. Now, I'm a professional. I own my own business. And so I have taken loans to reinvest in the business. 
invest in myself with continuing education, and that's ongoing, but getting into more of the investment side, it used to be rental properties, not anymore. And so I invest in apartment syndications. That's where I've taken loans. I've also adopted the Michael Saylor approach when it comes to crypto. And so I'm following in that playbook that he's actually set up and I shared with other CEOs across the country. I've also purchased a minority stake in a local business. So that's something that I've done in the past year by taking a policy loan, basically having the freedom to choose to invest in other businesses. Essentially, that's it. I, I always like to keep excess reserves available for the next opportunity. So I'm never 100% maxed out on my cash value. I do like to keep reserves because at the end of the day, we all need an emergency fund. We do want to have a cash position that allows us to take advantage of opportunities as they come. When you have cash, opportunities will find you. And I think that goes back to something that Nelson Nash said. I think every IBC practitioner has probably heard over and over again. And it's so true. When, when you have cash, opportunities will find you. Now, it's just a matter of continuing to capitalize, repay the loans that I have taken, and wait for the next opportunity to come my way. And I love all the uses that you're putting your money to. I think something important to point out is that we probably ought to mention real quickly that uh, none of these are recommendations. All we're doing is relaying what we're doing with our money just to give some ideas on what's possible. When it comes to protecting your principal, going back to that, life insurance happens to be the ultimate principal protection where it's guaranteed. But not only that, when you use the leverage, you know, all the things we're talking about a lot of people out there are very familiar with, especially if they're real estate investors or you know, even just using their original primary residence where they leverage the equity in their home to maybe go buy a rental property, you know, some other type of investing, or uh, going out there and maybe leveraging uh, bonds or dividend stocks, whatever it might be. This is no different. I should say it's no difference except for one difference, and that's that the collateral is guaranteed by the by the lender, the the life insurance company. And so it's it's one of the safest forms of leverage that you can have out there. It just accelerates everything else that you're doing in your financial life. Yeah, and you know, I I forgot to mention this, but in part because I don't view my home as an investment, but where I'm recording this part of the podcast, I mean, I, I'm doing this from my home office and this house that my wife and I bought, the down payment for this house here in California came from our whole life policies. That was another use of the capital that we saved from our whole life policies. It directly allowed us the opportunity to buy this property and also know that for the down payment we're still earning interest and dividends on that money instead of having it be equity locked up in the walls of our house earning nothing. Equity earns no rate of return. We basically did 100% financing. 20% of that 100% financing was our down payment and it came from our whole life policies. And we're still continuing to earn interest and dividends on that original down payment that we made three years ago. And we're repaying that loan because it gives us the ability to now reuse that money for something else. And here we are three years into living in this house. And what are we doing? A major kitchen remodel. 
well, how are we doing that? Policy loan comes full circle that this is the foundation of our wealth. And we know that this money is always growing and we have the ability to use it again and again and again. We talk about debtors, savers, and wealth creators. Savers are the people who save the money up first and then they pay cash. But what happens to that cash once they've made their purchase? It's gone forever and never earns another dime of interest, right? It's a huge, huge wealth destroyer. For my wife and I, we didn't want to destroy the capital accumulation of that 300000 by locking it up in our house. We still wanted it to grow. And what's the best way to do that? First, get it into a whole life policy because it's guaranteed to grow for as long as we live. That's just a much more efficient and smarter way to go. I come from very blue collar roots. My dad was a butcher. My mom was a cashier at a grocery store. These are things that I had to learn on my own. If I can do this, anybody's capable of doing it. We, we don't have to take unnecessary risk with our money to build wealth. The thing that Wall Street and Madison Avenue has convinced everybody out there is that they have to take risk in order to accumulate wealth. This strategy, becoming your own banker, building wealth through whole life policies, it's a safe way to accumulate wealth and it requires no luck, skill, or guesswork. You do have to be disciplined. You do have to be patient. If you can follow some very basic rules, you can accumulate wealth in your lifetime. And not only that, make it multi-generational. If you can take these principles that we talk about in the show, pass them on to your kids, this is going to propel from one generation to the next. And that's, that's really the Rockefeller method. How do the wealthy pass on their wealth from one generation to the next? The best way to do it is through life insurance. There's a saying that I've adopted recently that goes something like this, spend down your assets and leave your kids the life insurance. And the reason why is because the, the life insurance is tax-free. The assets that you accumulate, well, Uncle Sam's going to want a piece of those. How, how many assets legitimately transfer tax-free to your kids? This is the best one that does. Yeah, especially considering proposed legislation to eliminate the step-up in basis. You know, there's a, there's definitely some, some things to be talked about in terms of generating tax-free wealth transfer. Yeah. And with IBC, you're getting this added benefit along for the ride because we're not specifically talking about death benefit. It just naturally comes along for the ride as you're building up your wealth as you partake in this strategy and give yourself the freedom to choose whatever investments you personally find conviction in. Awesome. I definitely appreciate, you know, you helping me kind of understand this when I first uh, got onto this journey and uh, looking forward to maximizing everything that I'm, that I'm doing as well. You know, if anybody's out there that has any questions on strategies and ideas of how you can create more opportunities for yourself with less risk, less out-of-pocket, more leverage in a safe way, you can go to thefifthedition.com. You can book a 30-minute meeting with us right there. Or contact us via email and uh, happy to spend a little bit of time with you and, and just see if, it, if something like this could be a right fit for you. And don't forget, if you're enjoying the podcast, please give us a five-star rating. Thanks, everyone.